have two verses we're going to be reading this evening. The first is Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. You should be able to find that on page 1005 in the Bibles just in front of you. I'll give you a moment to get those out and find the page. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that he was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Now our second passage is a couple of pages over on Mark chapter 6, from verse 45 to 52, just maybe two pages over from where you are. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later, that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them, walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Good afternoon, everyone. Let's try that again. Good afternoon, everyone. Great to see you here. It is a great afternoon. Great to see week by week more people. And if you're outside, I know we've got a bunch out there. Great to uh, see you out there. Um, let me just say, we've just had two of my favourite Bible readings. I've got lots of favourite parts, but boat stories, they really do do it for me. And um, I was really quite excited. I don't know quite how I got rostered on to speak on this, but you know, that's just how it worked. And um, the staff were a little bit nervous, though, because my first title for this was called Boating Adventures with Jesus. And it was like, is that all you're going to talk about? And let me say, it is a temptation. I've got lots of stories I could share, but I'm going to be trying to be very disciplined. Um, and there's something about boats. Um, and I'm a boat owner, if you don't know. Um, people have love affairs with them. And I'll never forget, um, an old friend of mine sat me down once and he said, look, the two happiest days of a man's life, first day is when they buy their boat, second day is when they sell their boat. And looking at him going, Alan, I just don't agree. And he said, Bruce, I've got to tell you this. There's more fun sitting in a cold bath, tearing up $100 bills than owning a boat. Do you not get it? I go, no, I don't get it, sorry. And I think the thing with boats is, uh, they put you on the ocean. 
And there's something majestic along with incredible in terms of experiencing the, the power of nature and the way God has made this creation. When you see the sunrise come up, the swell is rolling in and you're out on it in your little boat and you're just immersed in this majesty. And we've got two great stories about Jesus when he went boating and uh, I want to stay, uh, start and just pray that God really speaks to us because there's more than just boats going on here. There's actually profound stories about Jesus. And so let's stop and pray and ask God to speak to us. Father, as we come today and just reflect on these boat stories, speak to us about who you are and who your son, the Lord Jesus, is and what that means for us today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I want to start with a question. Uh, it's not about boats. It's a very personal profound question and it's to ask us how well do you know Jesus and I'm not saying that in the sense of what facts you could tell me about him though that is very significant and important to actually know about him but it's more than that it's do you know him personally have you moved from the knowledge to that sense of relationship it's a very important question and as we come today, what I hope we're going to see is, as we look at these boating stories, is there's something profound here in terms of this question, how well do we know the Lord Jesus? And so I've not called my message uh, Boating Stories with Jesus, I've called it Transforming Faith, Boating Adventures with Jesus. Three things I want to talk about. Firstly, boats in Mark's Gospel, uh, there's more to it than might catch the eye at first glance. Secondly, disciples all at sea. And thirdly, how well do you know the captain? Let's think about boats in Mark's Gospel. Um, I'll give you a few things to think about. Five times when you are reading through Mark chapter 1 to 8, Jesus is on some sort of boat journey. Now, sometimes it's just he gets in, he gets out. Um, now, that's not surprising when you think about the setting of Mark gospel chapters 1 to 8 it's set typically up in the north of Israel uh, around the region of Galilee and in the middle of that you've got this whopping big lake the lake of Galilee and so no surprises mode of transport often was boats but what's worth noting is twice there are major incidents with Jesus and the disciples in boats and we've had those two read but there's also a third significant story which comes after the ones we read in chapter 8 which is a discussion that takes place in the boat and one thing that's worth noting is uh, the boat is this place of kind of private sanctuary in terms of where Jesus and the disciples have some very significant ministry together where they're away from the crowds and so it provides the platform and the place for this kind of private time with Jesus and the thing to note is um, something's always going wrong in the boat. There's some controversy, uh, some misunderstanding, something happening when he's in the boat. It's just this funny place where things go wrong. Any boat owner will know that's often the case anyway. Um, I'm looking at Tim Holloway. I took Tim out fishing halfway through the year and uh, we just had a white pointer come up beside the boat. It was so close, Tim could have reached out and patted it. You could ask Tim about it afterwards. There's always something happening when you're in the boat and that's exactly what takes place here in Mark's Gospel, there's things happening. But the big issue underneath this is really who is this Jesus? And it's also worth thinking about that question not just in relation to people who are new to the Christian faith working out who Jesus is. And let me say, if you are new to the Christian faith, it is the primary question to work out in relationship to Christianity and to God, who is this Jesus? 
But it's also the question that helps Christians mature in their faith as we know more and more of him. We start with him, we never move away from him. But what about these two stories? The disciples are all at sea or sailors all at sea. If you've got your Bibles there, I'd love you to get them out. Uh, If you haven't got one on your phone, there's some underneath the seats. And we're at Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41 for the first one. And then we're going to have a look at the second story after that. Let me just pick up that reading that Nikki read for us at verse 35, Mark chapter 4. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, speaking of the lake. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So if I can just set the scene for you. Um, It's evening, they're heading out and the disciples are not inexperienced. You have amongst their number um, all sorts of people. Some of them were professional fishermen. And so they were, if I can say, professional sailors very experienced in terms of being on the ocean or being in the lake there. Big lake, and if you've been in big lakes and big bodies of water, you know wind can create great dangerous conditions. I remember being up at Lake Macquarie in the boat, wanting to go from one side to the other. A squall came up so strong I could not cross the lake in my boat. I just headed back into shelter. And as some of you may know, I've spent many hours on boats, uh, I think over a thousand hours out at sea. I used to be part of the Wollongong Game Fishing Club down in Wollongong. And uh, one of my good friends was a professional charter fisherman. I had the honour, privilege of being able to fish on board his boat, Schooner 2. His name was Ronnie Cooner. And we spent many hours on the sea. We'd often go up to 30 k's offshore, uh, where you could almost not see. It was a 27-foot offshore boat. And I've been out in some fairly hairy conditions, three to four metre swells, which that's the back, so the front is up to eight metres high. And uh, I do remember one day a wave coming over the boat. It kind of wakes you up like nothing else at seven o'clock in the morning. Uh, Coffee's got nothing on a wave going over your boat. (laughs) The thing with Ronnie's boat was um, it just did not cope well in what's called a following sea. And it would often, and a following sea is when the waves are coming from behind you. And we would surf down and it would dig and you'd often end up on a 45 degree angle. And I remember we had two new people at the club who joined and it was going to 45, sometimes 50 degrees. They're coming back and they were screaming out thinking they were going to die. It's like, we're going to (laughs) die! And Ronnie's just going, we're fine. And I worked out very early on coming back. It was because it was pretty hairy. I mean, you're, you're hanging on for dear life. And I would look at Ronnie and... If Ronnie was okay, I was okay. And that's what I tell myself. He doesn't look worried. And seriously, he was a smoker. He'd have a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. He's puffing away. One hand on the wheel. It's like, what's going on, Bruce? And I think, yeah, we're fine. That's not what's in this story. They're not fine. Jesus is in the stern sleeping on a cushion. I love the level of detail. It speaks of the eyewitness character of the Gospels. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Now, it's interesting, that word drown is used first in Mark's Gospel in chapter 1 and it's from actually an evil spirit when Jesus comes into the synagogue and the evil spirit sees Jesus and says, Have you come to destroy me? Interesting here, it's the same word on the lips of the disciples and they're saying, Don't you care if we're destroyed? 
Jesus is asleep. Don't you care? And they're beside themselves with panic. They're like those two new members from the game fishing club I was a part of, who literally were just almost in tears with Ronnie that day, get me off this boat. Look at what happens, verse 39. He got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. It's such a contrast that disciples literally think they're about to be destroyed. They think Jesus doesn't care. And Jesus just gets up with a word, says, be quiet, be still. And it's interesting, those words he uses are the same words that he spoke to that demon, that evil spirit, in chapter 1. I don't know if you remember the storm of 2.15. It was around about April, May. And it was a vicious, wild storm. And I remember it because I remember Mike Baird, he was Premier of the time, and he actually said on the radio, don't come to work. And we're being told, it's so bad, don't go out. Now, it just happened to coincide with when Neville Naden, one of our other heroic mission partners, was here. And he was doing what Dave and Leonie were doing. And it's so good to see you guys. Um, and he'd spoken all day. And then on the Monday, I put him on the ferry. And it's this day when it's wild. And I'm thinking, it's exciting. You're going to get to go on Manly Ferry through the heads in the swell. I love doing that, let me tell you. And Neville's just looking at me going, are you sure, Bruce? Here's some of the pictures from that day. Okay? Now, sorry for the grainy pixelated photos. It's not mine, it's off the internet, but I just Googled Manly Ferry 215 storm. I love that one. They're just heading out into it. And this also, I don't know if this is from that day, but just look at the passengers on the right sitting there. <laughs> Neville didn't catch the Manly Ferry, he caught the Fast Ferry, because I had the Fast, family t fast Ferry ticket, and I put him on it, reassured him, you'll be fine, Neville. And he was at Broken Hill, he's like, I don't like the ocean. <laughs> it turns out that was the last ferry to go across that day. They cancelled it afterwards. I never get what he told me. He said he thought he was literally going to die. And he said he looked around and the staff were worried. <laughs> they were panicking. Now, let me tell you what Neville had no thought in his mind of doing. At no time did Neville think that he would get up, walk to the front of the boat, turn around, and say, I got this, guys. Be still. And I just invite you when you're out in a swell, going through the harbour heads, just remember this story and think what Jesus did. No one of us would ever think to do that, would we? And I just love the authority that is here. Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it's completely calm. In other words, the waves stopped. And the thing about swell is this you can have wind die and I've been out in the ocean when the wind literally has just died down but the waves keep rolling two sorts of waves are generated there's what's called a ground swell by low pressure systems and then there's a wind swell generated by periods of extended wind and that's what's happening here but whether it's ground swell or wind swell the waves keep going even when the wind stops but yet the authority that Jesus has is actually over all of the creation and it stops. And I want you to note the response that comes here. He says, why are you so afraid? 
do you still have no faith? The disciples' response, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They've been with him, they've seen the miracles, they've seen healings, they've seen exorcisms. And let me say, you could easily put that down to a person powerfully used by God. But this is next order. This is what God himself did in the Old Testament. And I think, actually, who are you? And Jesus' words are, do you still have no faith? In other words, do you still not get it? So let me ask the question. How well do you know this Jesus? As we continue to think on that question, let's go to story number two. So if you want to flick forward a page or two and we'll get to Mark chapter 6. It's the second of the three major boat stories. You could call it a ghost on the water. Not smoke on the water, but a ghost on the water. And it's important to note the context of where this comes in Mark chapter 6. It's after the feeding miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, which I'm sure you're very familiar with, when Jesus literally fed 5,000 and more from the five loaves, two fish. So just keep that in mind as we think about this story. Verse 45, after that, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. So the disciples are put in the boat, they head off and they're going to go to the north. Jesus comes up the mountain, he wants to pray and spend time with the heavenly, his heavenly father. Verse 47, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them. And so, from a time point of view, they've been on the lake most of the night, they've been rowing most of the night, and they have not got where they need to go. They're basically in this kind of holding pattern where they've pushed out and they're just stuck. With the wind against them, they're trying to push into it. And it says, when they saw him on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out, because they all saw him and were terrified. Now... As many of you know, I'm part of the Pink Caps Swimming Group. I know we've got numbers of Pink Caps here tonight, and it's great to have you here. Um, anyone who has swum with any uh, length of period down at Manly in terms of the swim around to Shelley Beach and back will know this experience, which is of the rip at the end of Manly Beach. And it's called the escalator, affectionately, because when you first get in, uh, swimmers and surfers, it takes you out like an escalator out to the back. The problem is when you swim all the way to Shelley and when you come back and when there's a bit of a sea running, uh, there's a lot of water moving and it literally pushes straight out where you're trying to come straight in. But it's as you're coming straight in after having swum 1.4 kilometres. And so you're, relatively speaking, fairly tired. And a lot of us like to try and race back against each other. And uh, let me say, they all beat me. That's all right. The first will be last and the last will be first, Jesus said. That's just for my friends. And um, you have this experience where you're in the water looking down and you can see the seaweed and you are not moving though your arms are stroking. <laughs> and it's very disorientating and very discouraging as you literally try and paddle harder and harder and you're going nowhere. And I've seen days... Uh, out there where numbers of people have had to be rescued because it's just so disorientated them that they've panicked and the surf lifesavers have had to come out and rescue them. When the water is, uh, and the waves are big and the rip is just ripping out there. And that's what's happening to the disciples. I can see them being completely disorientated. 
And all of a sudden, they see this figure walking on the water. Now, technically speaking, you can't walk on water. Now, if it's ice, I guess you could say you're walking on water, but you're not really, you're walking on ice. But I did find out that literally, if you can run at 108 kilometres an hour, that's 30 metres a second, then you can walk on water. But you've got to do it at 108 kilometres an hour. <laughs> in other words, no one does it. And they see this figure in the middle of the night, and you can imagine the wind's blowing so hard, there's white caps going, and they just see it coming, they just think it's a ghost. Like, no one walks on water. Unless you're the magician Dynamo. I don't know if you've seen him, but I remember seeing one of his magic shows on TV, and there he is walking on water. Well, what they don't tell you is there's perspex underneath the Thames River <laughs> that he's literally walking on. And so when they think he's a ghost, I've got a lot of sympathy for them. And then Jesus says, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Verse 50, then he climbed into the boat with them and the wind died down. And again, you just see this one who's got complete authority over the created order. And it says they were completely amazed for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. Now, it's interesting that the description is amazement and that they are, in a sense, rebuked for that. And I think what's happening here is Mark, who is telling the story here of that incident, is basically saying they haven't worked it out yet about who he is. And they're kind of amazed, and it's almost like, oh, Jesus has done another one of his party tricks. You see, what they should have done was been on their knees, worshipping him as God. And it's really interesting... Uh, of all the disciples, sorry, of all the miracles that take place in Mark's Gospel, there are two that are just for the disciples. They're like the insiders show. All the other miracles are publicly performed. The healings, the exorcisms, they're with crowds of people, sometimes big, sometimes small. But this is for them and them alone to witness the first boat story, the second boat story. And Jesus was showing them who he was. And what you see here is they still haven't worked it out. First time, lack of faith. This time, hard hearts. They're still asking themselves the question, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? They don't get that he is God in the flesh. They'd not understood about the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Just look at that phrase there, as we ask ourselves the question, what do we learn from this? Think with me back in the Old Testament. And think with me of where you see these three, three things occur in one of the Old Testament books. A feeding miracle, a water miracle, and a revelation of God's identity. I won't keep you in suspense, it's a rhetorical question. It's the book of Exodus. And the book of Exodus charts when God rescued his people from Egypt and brought them to Mount Sinai and then the journey to the Promised Land. And as he took them out, there was the water miracle where he parted the seas. There is the feeding miracle where he fed them with manna in the desert. 
And what Mark is saying when he says they did not understand about the loaves, they should have got it then that the God of Exodus was with them, feeding them. This is Jesus. I am the bread of life. They should have got when he calmed the seas. The God of Exodus was with them. And what's fascinating is this phrase, take courage, it is I. When Moses met God in the book of Exodus at the burning bush, you may be familiar with the story. It's chapter 3, verse 14. God does something incredibly special. He reveals his name for the first time. And let me say, there's something very personal when you give someone your name. You're introducing yourself to them. And God revealed himself personally to Moses at the burning bush and said, I am who I am. And that's where you get the name Yahweh, which is the name that God is known by, by the people of God in the Old Testament. Do you know how that's translated? When they translated the Old Testament into Greek, it's called the LXX. Just how you see it here on the screen. Take courage. I am is with you, is what Jesus is saying. God in the flesh. And they don't get it. One of the astounding things about these stories is you see the person of God and the character of God revealed. And the disciples lack faith, have hard hearts, and in the third story on the boat, they're basically thick. They've got dull minds. And it raises for us the question, how well do we know Jesus? Do we actually have the faith to see that he is God in the flesh? Hearts that are open, minds that are receptive. And here's the astounding thing for me. As God in the flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ reveals himself, he does it through care and rescue and concern. And I want you to put those two things together. As you get to know God, you meet a God who actually cares for you. And he saves them. And he's reassuring, I'm with you. And I want to stop and just reflect pastorally about this reality and ask ourselves the question, how well do we know the captain? The Lord Jesus. And I want to share and reflect on what these two stories have taught me. Because when I read these two stories, I ask myself, am I much different to the disciples? Do I really get how amazing Jesus is and rather than asking questions, be on my knees in awe and wonder at his majesty, his power and also his care and concern and love? They go hand in glove together. Do I really know him or am I dull of mind, heart and faith and slow to believe? He is God in the flesh who's come to be with me, to save me. And if I'm honest, there's days where I do feel dull of mind, hard of heart. And these stories just wake me up like a wave over the boat to remind me of how incredible Jesus is and his care 
He has complete authority in all things. Do I truly know? And I think the journey to maturity in the Christian faith is knowing Him more and more and deeper and deeper and letting that transform you. But the journey of entry into the Christian faith is the same one, understanding who He is. And if you're here tonight and you're new to the Christian faith, that journey starts with understanding that God has come in the flesh in the person of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you give yourself to Him. You trust Him because He came for you, He died for you, He rose again for you. Let me say, when you know Jesus' true identity, it is so reassuring and so powerful if you allow that truth to affect how you relate to Him and to know Him personally as your Lord and God. Because it says to me, I don't need to sweat in life. He is in control as I seek to live for Him. I'm in His boat. That's what it means to be a Christian. I'm in His boat. He's the captain. And it doesn't matter how big the seas get, whether they're three metres, eight metres, ten metres, whether they're washing over the boat, He will keep me safe. And I can trust Him to get me through to the other side through the storms of life. Anyone who leads an organisation will know the reality of this saying. It's lonely at the top. And it's the same in leading a church. It's lonely at the top. And I'm not saying this to get sympathy. It's just a reality. And when I took on the job, I knew that it came with that. And in saying that... I want to just acknowledge I've got an incredible staff team who I work with and we have incredible fellowship together. I've got incredible leadership around me with parish council and wardens and I'm part of an incredible church with just beautiful people, faithful followers of Christ. But yet at the end of the day, the bucks does stop with me under God and there's a relentlessness and a loneliness in the decision-making and responsibility that is never-ending. And that's just part of being the leader. And I'm okay with that. But that's what it is. And one of the reasons I I never really feel overwhelmed by it is because I actually know that Jesus is with me through all of this. And if you ask me, what is the most important meeting I go to in the week? It's not today. And, And look, I love being here today. It's been a great day of ministry. It's not my staff meeting, though I love them. It's not my parish council meeting, though I love them. Got one tomorrow night. It's Tuesday morning here at 7 o'clock. As we are on our knees praying and giving over all of our concerns to the God who runs the world. And it totally keeps me sane. Because he's the captain of the ship. And as I pray and give my worries to him, he can worry about them not me. And prayer, I think, is where you see the reality of a person's faith and how well they know the Lord Jesus, God in the flesh. When the pandemic hit, I wrote this up on my whiteboard. I try and read my Bible every day and ask God to speak to me. And one day, it just jumped off the pages. And it was Psalm 57 verse 1. I'll read it to you. You can have a look on the screen, my handwriting. It's still there today. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me. For in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. And I remember just reading these words thinking, this is so apt for where we are. 
and what we're going through. And I wrote it up. The irony is, uh, everything's opening up, people are coming back to church, I'm feeling very buoyant about going forward, and I thought, I'm going to rub it off and put a new verse, I had a verse to write up, and I rubbed it off, I could rub out the box, but I couldn't rub the words off. And it was like God was saying, just keep it there, I want you to be reminded of this, keep taking refuge in the shadow of my wings. The Lord Jesus is captain of your ship, he will look after you. But it has been tough through the pandemic, I know, for all of us. I came back from holidays in a conference in June 24. And I had a wonderful planning meeting with a number of the staff. I got down to the office at 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the Thursday. And the news was thick about the potential of a lockdown, which we went into two days later. And as you know, here in the Northern Beaches, it was the third lockdown. We as a church had been through a long, arduous building program, incredible result. Thank you to all those who contributed, but it was very wearing. And as I head into July, I also picked up an injury from my shoulder, um, rotator cuff, and I couldn't swim. And those weeks in July were probably the flattest I've ever been in my ministry life in 27 years and I'm naturally an optimistic buoyant character and the sense of being excited to get up in the morning and go to work it just wasn't there to read my bible I really out of habit and memory had to come down and just grind through but I remember thinking after two weeks it hadn't lifted and I spoke to my wife and one of the good things with the Anglican Church for Ministers is they have a free counselling support system with psychologists. It's uh, kind of no questions asked, six paid-for sessions every year if you want them. And I just thought, I'm going to check in. And I really had one question, and it was actually a scary question for me. And the question was, am I burnt out? As I just sensed that sense of numbness. And so I found a psychologist counsellor, went to them. And we had two sessions together. And I let the wardens know at the end of it, and I got this lady, Anna, to write an assessment on me to them. I wanted to be accountable in terms of where I was at. And I sent it to them. I've still got it here today. It's here on my iPad. I won't read it all. And she said these words, I believe Bruce has shown resilience and tenacity in managing an extended and complex series of stresses. His subsequent experience of tiredness and flat mood is well within a normal and healthy response. I just felt so much better when I heard that. <laughs> it's like you're not burnt out. I said, am I burnt out? She said, no, I don't think so. You've just been through a shocking period. And the thing that struck me, and the reason I tell it is, there was something deep down in me that I just knew that I was in the refuge place, the shadow of his wings, and that he was holding me and he would get me through and he got me through and after about four weeks my mood lifted I was able to recommence exercise and that improved things again and I just want to testify to you that when I talk about the reality that Jesus cares and that he is God in the flesh and that he is with us 
That's what I went through last year. This is not ancient history. This is present reality for me. And I want to say it is for anyone who wants to take hold of the Lord Jesus and know him and live for him and put their faith and trust in him. He is our refuge. He really is who he says he is. He's God in the flesh. He's with me, he's with you, and by his Holy Spirit, he calls us to get into his boat and to let him to be the captain, and he will be with you, he'll forgive your sins, he'll give you new life, and he will go with you through the storm. He doesn't take us out of the storm, he goes with us through it. And I want to finish with that simple question. How well do you know this captain? How well do you know Jesus? Let's stop and pray. I want to give us a moment just to be quiet and to reflect on these stories, your life, your relationship with God and Jesus and how well you know him. And if you need to respond in prayer, let's do that now. If I can just say, if you'd like me to pray with you afterwards or one of the staff to pray with you, we'd love to do that. But let me just close in prayer before we just sing and rejoice and declare our faith in him. Father, we just thank you that Jesus is the captain of the boat. He's God in the flesh. He came for us. He cares for us. May we know him deeply. The forgiveness of our sins, the hope of eternity, and him with us now through the trials and tribulations, the storms of life that we go through. In Jesus' name, amen.